I think you you need to think about like what it is that you want to address with with whatever you're doing and and I think you need to look at like what exists and what doesn't exist and and how you can plug that gap but I also think that the most important thing is about who you're going to go on that journey with I think nothing ever can possibly happen in isolation like I have an incredible team Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a writer, producer and model. She is the founder of the award-winning online and print magazine Galdem. She has collaborated with brands such as Google, Elle magazine and Bumble Biz. And in 2016, she was listed as one of the BBC's 100 women. We met earlier this year on set at a photo shoot for Elle magazine. And I knew then that I had to invite her onto the show. So welcome to the studio, Liv Little. Thanks for having me. Thank you for this coming so in. It's so good to have you here. I mean, I've seen you everywhere the last couple of weeks. You're on every bus. You're on the underground. She's everywhere. Yeah, I, I thought that was going to be much smaller than it was. And then it was huge. Literally. So that's been nice. A 12 foot live little. First up, now you do so many things these days. Mm. But I'd love to take it back to the start to baby live little. Have you always been a creative person? And growing up, who encouraged you and who nurtured that creativity? Mm, have I always been a creative person? It's interesting. I guess my mum seems to, to think that I've always been like a creative person or always quite like a chatty person. And she said she could always imagine me going into some sort of media job because I would just talk from my buggy nonstop. Um, and she, so my mum's my mom, also um, like a Buddhist. She's been a practicing Buddhist for 30 years now. Um, and they have um, a special magazine called The Art of Living. And she said, I used to sit in the editorial meetings looking really interested. But you know when mums say things and you're a bit like, is that really true? <laughs> um, but I think from a, from a young age, I have maybe had that like, I don't know, entrepreneurial-ish spirit. Um, and, and my mum has always kind of, taught me to just go out there and try things and and you know it's all right if not everything sticks or everything works in the first instant but you know you just got to give it a go um and I think I've I've always like been obsessed with documentary and like tv I love I love kind of video programming I love the radio I love audio um and I think there are so many different ways that you can tell stories and I think that's probably what inspired me to try lots of different things out and do you think, did you kind of seek that out then when you were younger? Because when you think mm. about, say, for example, like even just like mainstream education and, you mm. know, when you're talking about those things like media and audio mm. and it's almost like for some people they don't, they don't know that that stuff exists. Mm-mm. I mean, I guess it's, you know, what I was, what, what I was used to watching in the house or like what I was used to hearing on the radio like I don't know radio forward always be on <laughs> you sometimes hear like that the arches sound in the background or whatever um and my mum actually had like she had gone to the national film and television school she kind of ended up not doing that 
she had me and then like, she couldn't do all the crazy hours and stuff. But um, I guess those things were there, but I might not necessarily have realised that those things were there in a like in a big, big way. Mm. Um, but I feel like those things slyly like penetrate your psyche and then like you come full circle and you're like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, you know, I had like an auntie that worked at Amnesty and like we were having certain conversations or, oh, yeah, I had a mum that was really into film and TV. Oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's always in hindsight, I think. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, for sure that that influence is there. Yeah. And I have heard you talk about your mum before and how. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. That's great. And how she would encourage you to take up space mm-hmm. and to use your voice, and mm-hmm. and that your voice was important. Mm-hmm. So how did she do that? And when did you first become aware of things like social privilege and mm-hmm. and how that would impact you as a woman of color? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it was always so important for her and, and you know, for my nan and for everyone, for my dad as well. Um, like my dad left school when he was 11 or 12 um, and my mum went to schools where she was always told that she was like not smart enough because she was a black child. She like suffered like overt racism in, in a way which is, you know, was very different to, to my experiences now. Mm. Um, and I think she really wanted to make sure that I think I think being in those environments in which you're told that like you're not enough, you're not worthy, you're not smart, you're not intelligent, all of these things, I think it can kind of like lead to a lack of confidence. And for me and for my little sister who's 13, who's like so confident, she's like so, she's so like, she's so sassy. <laughs> she's rude to me um, a lot of the time. But I think she really wanted us to just, to, to feel free and, and to feel as though, you know, our voices mattered and and she you know she really wanted to put us in like educational environments in which maybe we weren't surrounded by that many people who like look like us but to understand that those those voices of privilege who have been like socialized to think that they're going to govern this world that their their voice isn't the only one um that matters and because of that she's always been like you have to use your privilege you have to use like the education that you've that that I made sure that you had to like give voice to other people she's like you gotta use it you gotta work and I'm like okay yeah I'm trying I'm working but um but that was like that was very deliberate on on her part and you know she kind of has given everything to her to her children Wow, that's incredible. Mm. And do you think, I guess, being in that environment, as you said, where maybe not everybody, you know, you might have felt that kind of feeling of being the only, Mm. do you feel like that, I guess, over time helps you to build confidence and resilience Mm. to to use your voice in any space? I think so. I think it, 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 it can kind of do two things. I think like at school, yes, you know, definitely you can you can do whatever you want to do. I think as you kind of get older, go to university it it became like another level of kind of um microaggressions and just people that held views that were so kind of far removed and so like conservative in comparison to like the person that I am that then it became like oh my god this is really overwhelming and it kind of knocked I feel like at that point it kind of knocked my confidence so much to the point that I just I felt really I just didn't, I, I, as someone who's always been like relatively optimistic and able to find solutions, I just felt really down. And it took me a little while. It took me maybe the process of a year to think, okay, what can I do to like lift up myself and my happiness and also hopefully connect with other people? And, you know, there's like a, a ripple effect. But it took a minute and I just was like, I can't be here. I can't like operate in this space. Like, I just, I didn't feel fully prepared because I'd grown up in London with like, obviously a black family like around black children and like 
as much as maybe the education educational environment that I had didn't like mirror that I had I had that support network I had that thing around me and then you move to a different city and it's just like I don't know it was just a lot it was a mm. lot yeah mm. it's overwhelming for mm. sure and I think when you describe then like that kind of feeling of down and feeling you know that it took a year mm. I can kind of relate to that thinking about how I don't know sometimes it feels maybe overwhelming mm. you know what I mean mm. to think you feel helpless to change because you're like this is such a big thing that I, there's so many layers to this that I no matter how empowered you are or you feel like you yeah. have this inside you you're like there's no way like I can possibly where do you start yes, where, where do, do you, you start yeah. you're like well the system is as it is like try not to swear the system <laughs> is what it is um like the institution is what it is the curriculum is what it is the demographic of lecturers is what it is the demographic of students is what it is and and yeah and it's it's just a lot and then you're expected to be the voice the face the person that can speak on like what all black people supposedly think um it was just a like it was a whole mess that's that's at that time it was a whole mess it's a lot so yeah. so that was in bristol so mm-hmm. you studied in bristol and you originally started galdem when you were in, in Bristol, Bristol, right? Yeah. So I think Final often year. people think that like everything happens in London, like London mm, is the place. Mm. And I mean, I've felt like that in the past, like everything happens here. So I guess, can you tell us how did you even start Galdem? What was what was the reason for starting it? I, did you ever expect it to grow to what it's become now? Um. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that idea of London is the be all and end all of creativity, that needs to go. And I think in, in the work that I'm doing, we're constantly trying to like counter that, even though we're like a London-based business and most of the work that I do within Galdem and also outside of Galdem tends to be quite London-focused um, in terms of like our events and different things. We're just like, okay, how much of this can we not do here? Because it's not the only place. Um, and the thing is, as much as I had like a really, really awful time being in Bristol it wasn't all bad by the way it was it just there were points when it was felt particularly bad but at the end of um, my time at Bristol like as Galdem had launched I was made aware of the amazing creative community and like people of colour that were just like doing amazing work in the city and I wish I'd like found them earlier on because you had we had Nikesh we had Uncle Nikesh with the good immigrant and just doing bits for everyone Um, we had like um, we had Clem, who was like, I think she was like the mayor at some point. We had all these amazing people who were like Edson Burton, this poet and historian, who were there. And like, be- because it was like a smaller pa- place, people like were really supportive and really like nurtured each other uh, in a way that maybe Galdem wouldn't have been able to have grown like as quickly or maybe with the same, that same kind of like real community community um, support that we had in Bristol, maybe it wouldn't have happened like as quickly as it did or in the same way. I don't know. The how and the why, sadness. <laughs> um, feeling like if I can't connect with people, I feasibly just cannot, you know, continue. And I think a lot of people have that same experience in university. It's so not unique. I hear so many people talk about it all the time. Um, you know, <laughs> we get so many pictures of, <laughs> about that specific topic. Um, and then it was a kind of a case of like figuring out what it should look like. And like I said, I'd always like been really interested in media, journalism, but mainly like, like I said, documentary. But all of that is, is the aim of that is all to tell people's stories. And a way that you can tell people's stories quickly, freely, easily is through like having a, a publishing platform. And so that made sense. And then it was kind of 
there was a few logistical things which um, my mum helped me with again. <laughs> and and then it was just about connecting with people and that is really as simple as it was in yeah. the beginning. It's much more complicated now. I, I can only imagine. But. I mean, it's it's huge what you've you know what you've created, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Mm. So, what advice would you give to anyone who's listening to this, and mm. and maybe who follows you online, who sees what you do, and thinks, okay, I have this creative idea too, but maybe they don't know where or how to get started. That's often what I hear from people. It's mm. not that they don't have ideas or they don't have passion or inspiration. Everyone does, and I, I actually mm. truly believe everyone has something, but they just either don't know where to get started or yeah something holds them back it's interesting because i and it's not as though like i necessarily set out to be like i'm gonna create like a business and you know those things kind of naturally followed i think it was i think you you need to think about like what it is that you want to address with with whatever you're doing and and i think you need to look at like what exists and what doesn't exist and, and how you can plug that gap but i also think that the most important thing is about who you're going to go on that journey with i think nothing ever can possibly happen in isolation like i have an incredible team um of of people who are just so committed we did this brainstorming session to kind of like really hammer home what the values of of the company were and everyone is on the same page and that's so in, like encouraging and like affirming to to kind of to see and and to talk about but i do think it's it's about you know kind of rallying together the right troops depends on what the project is mm. um but i think I th I feel like when you when something needs to happen like you know it's not really a case of just thinking oh you know I kind of want to start a business so like what could I what could I do mm -hmm. I think I think it needs to come from something deeper than that mm -hmm. um, in my perspective anyway and did you need I guess like funds to do it do you need you know oh, a certain... yeah I mean that would be nice we didn't have funds for a long time though yeah. um I remember applying for some uni funding and like just a little bit small small couple hundred quid didn't get it um <laughs> and then you know like I say that was just paying for hosting and the website in the in the first instant and then obviously as it grows yes you know now like it's it's like a full-time job for all of us and everything's paid for um but it takes a while to get to that point and I think also it, it's possible everything is possible reach out to people ask questions find people who have been in a similar position to you because and this is not to be like super like negative or anything but we know in terms of the, the landscape of business and getting funding if you are someone who looks like me um it's just not as easy as if you were like a middle-aged middle-class white man it's different right and you have to prove yourself in different ways so just make sure you have that network that can back you up and you find people that have been in that position before because it's not it's not easy mm, yeah yeah, no, that's brilliant. And you mentioned about the team now. So as mm. you said, you didn't necessarily start with that team, but as the team has grown, mm. you know, you mentioned about the the brainstorming and mm. how did you, I guess, well, how do you continue to keep the essence of what you started originally mm. as that team grows? Mm. And where did you even find the team? Um, oh yeah, so actually quite a lot of people that are in the team now were there from day one. So Shanice, who's our social media um, manager, head of social she was there literally from day one Shanice same with like Charlie Nye like quite a few people were and then a few people have joined along the way which is like which is great Marielle was there from very early on too um how many is in the team now um so there are like on the busiest day which is a Thursday there are 10 of us yeah 
Um, but then on most days there's around like five or six. So everyone kind of has different working days, which is interesting. I want to get to the point where everyone's in all the time, yeah. obviously. Um, but, you know, baby steps. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I think oh, Nayella, who's our head of lifestyle, like I'd actually is the only person that I knew before Galdem. And she, um, we like would just be getting up to naughty things together when we were like teenagers. Um, and then Charlie, I remember reading like an article of hers about dating, being mixed race on Tinder. And like we were all like, oh my god, wow, she's like a proper journalist. And then she and then she came and and we and we met her. And then the the rest is kind of history. But it, I think it was like through the internet really yeah. that that most of us came together. And like none of us knew each other before. I think um, that's really encouraging. I think for sometimes people to hear because I know people. Sometimes they assume they say, well, I don't know anyone in that mm-hmm. or I don't know. And, you know, I think the fear, maybe the fear of like reaching out and, mm. you know, kind of rejection. But as you said, social media now is so powerful. It if is. you put the time in and the work in and you really kind of, you know, you're not maybe you're not going to get, you know, replies from everyone or you might not get a yes from everyone. But I think the more you reach out and try, that's certainly in my experience, you for example, like people. Yeah, like, like with this lot. podcast, like <laughs> you know how many people are asked to be on this podcast? Because I'm like, I want to yeah. have that conversation. Yeah. I want to, maybe I don't know you personally, but I know the work that you do. And I, you know, I feel like if you don't, if you're afraid to reach out, as you said, you can't do things in isolation. You can't do it on your own. I remember actually like one of my first job internships, the woman said that I literally like forced her to give me the job like I just like harassed her it was for like um, a women's rights organization and I think yeah you do have to have a little bit of that and in the beginning I would send so many emails or I'd pitch and like people just wouldn't respond and slowly slowly you know now people do respond but um but yeah it definitely takes a while you have to have like you have to have patience and you have to like and persistence persistence <laughs> man yeah you have to be you have to be okay with the fact that like you'll probably get a lot of doors slammed in your face along the way and that's not nice but it's not like it's not necessarily personal Mm. um sometimes people they're just not ready they will be ready but they're not ready um or they think they're ready um but yeah no a lot of a lot of persistence and but I do also think that with this when it first started a lot of people were like quite interested by it because a lot of people were feeling the same and as though something like this should exist um so it wasn't like a real stretch to have people like be intrigued by what we were doing. Yeah, well, there was a, a need, right? There was so a when, need, when yeah. you said about what exists and what doesn't exist, mm. you know, Galdem does an incredible job of highlighting important conversations mm. and inviting people to share their stories, mm, mm, specifically mm. sharing the perspectives from women and non-binary people of colour. Mm. So what has the response been like from that community? Mm. I mean, our community, we wouldn't exist without our community. So like that everything that we do is with, our community in mind like every project every brand work every piece of content that's what we're thinking about is is you know how are we platforming voices who are we working with can we work with more people let's not just work with the same voices etc etc and like the response yeah it's been wild like it's been it's been amazing and incredible and um people hold us to account and people feel comfortable to like ask us challenging questions and and vice versa and I think that's really healthy I think um yeah it's been great it's beautiful like just even just to like the online stuff is amazing as well but for me like I am someone that like thrives off of being around other people like I really like people's company I'm not very good at being on my own um and there's something so beautiful about doing an event or like just being in a room and looking around and if your day-to-day isn't like that to be in a room and look around and see you know black people brown people like all like all of these all of these people just existing 
in 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 a space i think that's so powerful and that stuff really does move you i remember when we did our first vna takeover and like 5000 people came i remember just crying 5, and being like people. yeah it was crazy just being like oh my god like okay so all these people they existed on the internet but they like really are here they're really here for like the work that we're doing like and we're all like kind of in this together do you know what i mean so yeah it's been amazing and i think people i th- like i think people like the fact that they kind of know who like the team behind Galdem is they like they can they can see faces that like maybe look a little bit like theirs and i think that is a reason why people also like connect with it and what we're doing you know mm-hmm. we're like as much as we're running a business we're also i'm 25 most of the team is like in their mid 20s figuring out how like to navigate these things, how to be an editor, how to like run a business. It's the, the first time. It's, it's the first time that all of us have have done this, and I think you know we're very like open with that. It's like we're learning as we're going, mm. um, and our audience is learning and growing, and and I think and I think that's great. So yeah, it's been like it's been amazing. If, if I think about it too much, like I will just cry. It's <laughs> mad. It's so interesting and like how powerful that community is. And as you said, because. I don't know, I feel like the community has, they feel like they have some ownership over it too. You know, as you mm, said, it's like, mm, it's very two way. It's mm. like contribution, but also seeing people like yourself. And like you said, they might be, you know, similar faces, but also similar age, similar, mm, just, mm. just, they can actually relate to who mm. you are and what you're talking about. And it's, it's interesting because I now see, I'm sure you do as well, in the last, say, year or two, the way brands and like commercial mm, things mm, are now trying to be like, okay, like it's all about community. We have to create this community to sell this product or we have to create this community to you know make our brand have you know a better kind of voice or whatever and it's interesting because what you've created is essentially what people now are just trying to monetize they're trying to like because they see the power they see mm. the kind of the collective movement the energy like you mm. can't rep- nothing can replace it no you can't you can't exactly. the thing is the thing is that you know people the story of Galdem, right? It's fair. like people know it. People like un- they understand where it came from. They see where it came from. They know the people that have like shaped the the business. They like there's no agenda. There's no yeah. They like and 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 they like the growth is organic, right? You cannot. There's no way that you can just kind of like come in and try to establish a thing and like run away again. That's mm-hmm. not really how it works. You know, so when we work with brands, you know, we're thinking about okay, what is the payoff for our audience? What is the long-term relationship here? Those are conversations that that we're having all the time. Mm. Is this genuine? Like, you know. Yeah, well, that's the thing right now, isn't it? So I actually do some consulting for brands mm. and, it, you know, the thing about authenticity and is it genuine? And I think it's hard for both sides to navigate and especially, I think, for individuals or small organisations mm. that maybe, you know... I'll be honest, they want those brand partnerships. They want to work with this brand, this mm. brand. They want to, you know, they want to cash a check. They want to mm. do those things. And it's not to say you shouldn't, but I guess, yeah, how do you, what would you advise people to do if they're in a place mm. now where it's like, okay, they have created something and people are starting to mm. take notice and say, let's work together. Let's, you know, we can do this event or we can pay this, but we want you to, you know, look at, share this, this yeah, uh, press yeah, release yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. how do you do that? Because it's interesting because I've, like, as an individual, I've, like, done some work with brands, obviously, and then also, like, as a business, we work with brands. Um, I think you, so, I, I mean, it's, to be fair, it's, like, it's not the same process because, like, it's a business and there's lots of people behind it. Whereas with me, I think on the personal level, I think about brands who I am happy to work with. I think about brands whose ethos, like I am happy to get behind. I think about brands, I have brands that I categorically won't work for. And I probably say no to like 80% of stuff I'm asked to do because it doesn't, 
it doesn't sit right with me. And I think you have to set your own standards as to what you're going to be able to sleep with at night like and feel like okay cool yeah I can back that I did that that's all right harmless fine or yeah you know I really believe in in this in this campaign just never do anything if you're if your gut is like then you just probably shouldn't do it um and it's interesting because sometimes you'll say no and you might see other other you know people pick up that pick up the same jobs you're like oh but oh interesting I wouldn't have thought like the values but 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 you know you don't you never know like the reasons behind people like needing to do brand work yeah but um in terms of business wise yeah you have to have you have to have your ethics in place you have to like that's why we do like quite a lot of like return like um repeatable work with with people that we really get on with again think about the payoff um for your community the thing is with media it's hard isn't it because um like in terms of revenue like a lot and to be honest with a lot of kind of the contemporary businesses that like a lot of my peers have set up you do you work with brands and that is you know part of the way that you pay for your team and you pay for projects and different things so yeah you just have to you have to find you have to find that kind of like middle ground and see what it is that you feel comfortable with um and we're always you know having conversations around the office like good like okay no this doesn't sit well with us because of this okay so we won't do that um but yeah I feel like the boundaries I feel like the the kind of like lines are constantly shifting and you're mm. constantly kind of having to look at your own like ethical policy and, and figure out what works. And I think, do you know what? You do things, you can't take things back. So you just have to really, really, really consider it and have your key kind of markers or points that you need to be satisfied with before you can move forward in working with someone, I think. Yeah, 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 for sure. When I was speaking last week, actually, on a, a panel event, there's a guy on the panel who was saying exactly that about kind of the, he actually described it. What word did he use? I was literally like, that sums it up completely. Oh, my goodness. He he described kind of, you know, this whole digital era that we're living in mm. as eternal. And mm. what he meant was like, he's like, if you share something now and someone's like, you try and get it removed or you try and get it taken down. He said, even the London Met Police sometimes cannot get something removed, even when it comes to a matter of, you know, whatever, safety, whatever. He's like, they can't even, the, the whole of the, <sighs> the London- The internet is yeah. scary. It's, it's beautiful, but it's also mad. Yeah, and so um, when he learned that, as, uh, he said he was young at the time, when he learned that- I he made, wish I'd learned that when I was done. <laughs> right? I'm just like photos of me going out with my, and I'm like, those do, those do not need to be on the line. <laughs> but- um. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's but interesting. I think for isn't young it? people to hear that and mm. like, you know, because I do think there's this kind of, you know, careless. You do have that, right? If you're, I don't know, a teenager, a very young, like, you you're know, thinking whatever. about, oh, my. And I, and I actually don't think people should really be tapping into people's personal social media when you're applying for a job and like trying to see like whether they like had one too many drinks in that photo. I don't really think. And I've heard of people where they're employed, like, <laughs> been at interviews and people have referenced oh I saw this on your Facebook that that to me is it's like it's a massive invasion of privacy we know that these things aren't very private anyway really realistically yeah. um but yeah if yeah, yeah when you're young though you got to you, you, don't, you don't consider you don't, know, you you don't, don't consider know. 10 years time care. 20 yeah you don't yeah. care that's the point you don't care if someone says to you when you're 25 or when you're 30 you're mm. thinking what like mm. when I'm old you know mm. like literally mm. I remember like I'm 32 yeah. now <laughs> I remember thinking when I was like 17 that 32 was, was dead like, yeah you literally busted. I can't even imagine it my sister I'm 25 my sister's 13 and she thinks I'm old and I'm like are you 
like, are you okay? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think yeah, they need to consider this this the thought of what you're putting out and mm-hmm. what you're saying yes to and what you're yeah. saying like you know even if it's I, start. I also think it's very dangerous to kind of like, and we live in this kind of like culture now where if someone has had a thought when they were like 10 and like they avert, they talk it 20 years on 10 years on they don't have share those beliefs they you know they were young they don't it wasn't a great thing to say whatever but that gets drawn up and then it, there's a headline and it's this person thinks this and you know full well that that is now I, I think you know the lines are just so blurry it's, it's a whole mess yeah I mean you'd be terrified to say anything <laughs> let alone all the things I've probably said on this show um, so you're alright I think <laughs> so for you personally mm. you know you the work that you do inspires so many people mm. and just being who you are using your voice being in the mm. space but do you have any role models that inspire you both or either personally mm. or professionally yeah do you know what I've had there are so many people who I who I kind of who I look up to if I'm talking in terms of literature then like Roxane Gay literary icon amazing um just amazing matter of fact way of of, of articulating thoughts Candice Carty Williams amazing again like Queenie very matter of fact way of like articulating issues that a lot of us could kind of relate to so beautiful Michaela Cole didn't see herself on screen literally wrote herself into existence with chewing gum iconic amazing Rennie like I could go on and no, it's, there's a pattern here as well isn't there I'm like <laughs> but um yeah I could go on I could go on Kelechi um like fitness mogul like amazing um again very matter of fact just says it like it is um we're gonna need a list. Liv. There were just there, we, need, we need a reading list. I know. I'm literally like I'm like oh, there are so many people in, in so many levels. But I think in especially in terms of me first getting into television because that's what, like where I had my kind of formal training. Seeing like a Michaela Cole was like so powerful for me. Hmm. Um, but yeah, all of these people: Charmaine Lovegrove, publishing, amazing, amazing, like carving out space like Mm. she does it in her own way how she wants to do it and she's very like unwavering in that she's very determined like love her so yeah there are just so many people and I meet and I get to work with so many of these people all the time and they're so cool and so smart and so accomplished and so like kind and like compassionate and open and mum wrote like all of these people I'm just like wow yeah. that's amazing it's incredible that they're all as you said there are so many and they're all there and if you seek you will find you know yeah. and it's kind of like seeing them it's but a, also it's a different time yeah 100%, yeah 100% for sure 100% it's exciting So I want to talk to you about the Power Hour. Mm. Uh, this is the Power Hour show. I love to find out what gets people out of bed mm. in the morning, what makes them excited for the day, what makes them inspired and what's kind of kept them going on the journey that they're on. So could you tell us, Liv, I know a bit about this, so I'm not going to say anything, but I want to know about your morning routine. So mm. what time you generally get up in the morning and what the first hour of your day is like. First hour. Do you know what? So... Historically speaking, um, I would tend to wake up a mere 30 minutes before I need to leave the house. I have no hair. I don't really like, I've just got some basic like balm on my face, whatever. Unless I've got like a really fancy meeting where I feel like whatever I need to look awake for or cover my bags for. But generally I'm just like a get up and go kind of person. What I am trying to do now um, and actually give myself that full hour 
before I go um, to work. Yesterday I did half an hour of yoga, spent the other half an hour getting ready, showering. Um, and but no tr- hair is a game changer. No hair though. is amazing. On, I mean, like it's so, it's just so easy. But um, I think for me, I'm now trying to just have some time in the morning to just like f- get in my body, to fill my body a little bit more. And I think when I do do that, I feel like I have more energy. Like yesterday, I felt great because I did that 30 minutes of yoga and I really stretched it all out and I just had a minute to think and to breathe. Um, but I can also just get up and run. <laughs> yeah, which is great. But do you have any, I guess on the flip side of that, do you have any non-negotiables in the morning? Do you have anything that you actively avoid that you know is going to kind of, yeah, I guess throw you off in the oh, morning? Oh, interesting. One thing that I try not to do, and my girlfriend's very much like, don't look at your phone straight away. I'm like, okay. Um, is not to look at my phone straight away. Um, not to go straight into like looking at emails um, because they can wait until you get in most of the time. Would you go to emails before you'd go to social? Because I think a lot of people, they go to their phone to no, social. I'd go, no, and... I'd go to emails first. Oh, you see, that's interesting. Yeah. That, no, seriously, everyone says they pick up their phone, they go to social media, and they kind of, what have I missed whilst I've been asleep? You know, oh, they're looking no. at everyone. I'm thinking about what emails I've missed. <laughs> I mean, okay. But, um, but yeah, so 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 that kind of thing. And, and it's important to set boundaries for yourself and for other people. I think if people think that you're the kind of person, and I used to be this person that replied to anything at any hour of the day, at any time, on the loo, wherever I was, then that they they would expect that level of communication, which is dangerous in itself, right? So you need to set your boundaries. Actually, I'm going to reply between these hours and, mm. you know, only in exception will I will I deviate from this. I think that's really important. But yeah, trying not to look at a phone, um, definitely. Sometimes I chant, like I was obviously like raised in a Buddhist household, so sometimes I will chant. Um, I like normally go to that when I'm already stressed and it's about building those things into your daily practice rather than just doing them when you're ready to crumble. But we're still figuring it out, you know. Yeah, of still course, learning. of course. Well, brilliant. And do you have a Power Hour challenge for our listeners? So each week I ask the guests to encourage us to try mm. something that maybe they haven't considered before. Mm-hmm. And I know we were speaking um, off mic before the show started mm. recording about just how we're feeling this morning with it being kind of grey. It's October. Yeah. I know personally I'm mourning the summer. I am mourning it right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah. Do you have a challenge for us? Do you know what a challenge? Um... Do you know what is it is actually quite a good challenge? I don't know if this kind of necessarily rates the first hour of your day, but like leave your phone out your bedroom, buy an alarm clock, wake up with your alarm clock, and so you're not looking at your phone like as soon as you wake up. Give yourself at least half an hour when you have them woken up before you start checking in on yeah. all sorts of stuff. You can shower, you can get ready first, and then once you're awake, once you're feeling a bit fresher, then you can look at what you need to look at. But try and keep that digital stuff out of out of your bedroom yeah and away from your actual physical body i yeah. heard this thing yeah. the other day that apparently our mobile devices are always within one meter of our physical body all the time 24 hours a day and i started to think yeah. about it i was like really but then you think if it's like in your pocket or if it's next to you on the table mm. or if you're on a flight or everywhere you go now like when do you think i'm going to put my phone in another room or in a bag it's like always um, one meter away yeah. from you yeah no it's I, I oh my god I used to be so, I used to be way more glued to my phone than I am now and now when I'm having my evenings or whatever you have to be alright with putting it in putting it in the other room putting mm. it away just having your time oh, like good for the relationship as well <laughs> yeah yeah that. for sure but um, but yeah that, that would be that would be um, an, an interesting challenge yeah 
mm. get the phone away from your mm. body <laughs> for a half an hour. So yeah, whoa. Awesome, <laughs> I know. Right, so before I ask you my closing question, yeah. I would love it if you could tell everyone where they can find you mm. online and mm. in real life, actually, if you have any events coming up. Oh, cute. Events. Ooh, well, how about online first? Yeah, I'm like, do I have anything happening right now? Um, if you want to find me online, I am just live little. Um, if you want to find Galdem online, it is Galdem Zine, so G A L D E M Z I N E, and the website is G A L D E M dot com. Um, yeah, I'll just be about probably at some events. Um, I can't think of anything that's coming up. But yeah, find me on socials and then you'll find out awesome. where I'm going to be. Amazing. Thank you, Liv. And so my closing question mm. for you today is all about time. Mm. I'm kind of obsessed with this concept and I love hearing people's, I guess, like take on time. Mm-mm. I value it so much. I think it's the most important thing that we can give to another person yep. and share. So thank you for sharing your time with oh, us thank today. Thank you as well. So along the way, what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? I feel as though the most valuable thing that I've learned about time is the value of time, actually. Um, And I think understanding the value of like my time in particular has enabled me to really figure out how I want to spend that time. And it's made me be okay with saying no a lot more. So I think that is something that and that is very powerful in itself, the ability to say no, actually, that is not going to lead me to the next point that I need to be at or I'm just not interested in that or I shouldn't feel guilty or I shouldn't feel like I have to do it because it's someone that I know or whatever um so yeah power of no related in relation to time I think yeah wonderful hear it people (laughs) no is a full sentence no no is a sentence as you say it doesn't have to be followed up with an excuse yeah in it oh I'm really really sorry actually yeah I'm not available and that's fine no no full stop no (laughs) I'm going to practice that this week that's going to be my challenge okay good good. say no say no brilliant thank you so much thank you so much I have really really enjoyed this conversation and if you've enjoyed listening to it then please do share it share it with friend put it on social whatever you think that anyone who would love to hear this chat and don't forget you can rate and review us on iTunes all of that good stuff it really helps to grow the show thank you so much for listening see ya up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 